for the fifth time. This is 99th episode. Boom. Recording. Boom. Recording. Right and early. Right and early. I've heard it's warm out there. A friend of mine I was talking to last night. Well, we We both got a cup of coffee. I think we're ready to go, huh? Yeah. All right. So what you got to talk about today? So I uh, spent all weekend doing this San Diego Comic-Con online thing, which was kind of an interesting experience. Yeah. How was that? Like Those videos are still available on YouTube, aren't they? Uh, as of yesterday, they were. So I got to see if I can check that out some. Yeah. It was obviously very different, right? Because there's no actually going to San Diego and there's no walking through the convention floor. There's no browsing around for this and that and seeing what's available. There's no hanging out with friends and going to get fish tacos or going to get a beer or hanging out at night after the show. There's no running into people randomly as you're walking around that you know and talking to them for a bit or... um, discovering something new really and you know there's like all of that is just it's not there it's just me sitting at home with headphones basically is what it is so it's much like all the rest of life (laughs) at this moment is (laughs) but what i liked about it is that usually when i go to a convention and i i go to a decent number of conventions do you go to many comic cons no, I, there aren't any uh, any decent ones really in Maine. I mean, they have a couple small ones that they do regularly, but usually it's like there's not even a single person that I really care about going to see. Um, so, like I now that my son's getting older, I might I might start doing some of them anyways, just because it'll be fun for him. But the biggest one that I've been to, and it's been years now. Um, gosh, it's been probably six five or six years since i went to the last one and my first one was only the year before that so i've only been to two but uh, i went to the granite state con in new hampshire um jk woodward who uh, i don't know if you know him but he's done a lot of uh, star trek and doctor who and stuff for idw mm-hmm. uh he was there and invited me to use his guest pass so i went down kind of hung out with him for the day um, and then the year before that, um, the, the first comic shop I went to in Portland had one, Coast City Comic Con, and uh, they haven't done one since, though. And that one was really awesome. That was actually where I met J.K. Woodward, um, but they had a lot of really good, like, looking back, I didn't know much about comics at all then, so I didn't really know many people. Uh, the first guests they announced were um, Tim Seeley and Mike Norton when they were doing a revival, so I read revival just so I would actually know who somebody was, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but anyway, so it's been a long time. Um, I don't think the San Diego size of Comic-Con would be something that I would enjoy. I don't like that big of crowds and that much craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the New Hampshire one, which was a decent size, like it wasn't tiny. Um, and there were, uh, you know, quite a few guests there. They had a lot of, um, of course, like the trend with cons now seems to be more and more um, celebrity, like, you know, TV and movie guests, which I don't really have much interest in. But yeah, anyway, so that's a little bit of my, my con experience. Okay. I I go to, uh, I would say, a decent number of cons. I usually go to four or five a year, about. I always go to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been every year since 2008 now. 
I always go to a WonderCon. I've been to that every year since like 2001, I think. And I go to the smaller Long Beach conventions that happen twice a year. Um, and sometimes I go to the LA Comic Con as well. So Comic Cons are a pretty big fixture in my life. Um, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy them and I really like going. And San Diego Comic Con is always like the main event of comic cons for the year. Cause it is, it's the biggest, it's the craziest. There's so much going on. Um, there's so many people there. It's really, I don't know. It's like the, it's like the super bowl of conventions is the, what I think of it as. So for somebody that likes bigger and better and bigger and better in conventions, then like San Diego is, is the pinnacle of that. Uh, but this year, obviously it wasn't really like that at all. And mainly the main content that they had was a bunch of panels. And usually in comic cons, I don't really go to panels very much. Most of the time I go to a comic con, I spend walking around the show floor or hanging out with people going to go get lunch with people or just, you know, meandering around checking out this and that or looking through dealers back issue bins and just cruising around and, and I guess soaking it all in is, is kind of lame as that sounds, but <laughs> I do like to just kind of wander around and see what there is to be seen and stuff. And the panels always feel like I would be missing out on that experience I like of walking around the show floor if I were to go spend an hour sitting down somewhere listening to some people talk. So I usually pass on them, but that's primarily really the only content that uh, was available this year. Uh, they tried to have like a digital virtual show floor and it was kind of spotty and didn't really work. And it was supposed to like link to the different web pages of people that were the quote unquote exhibitors. But sometimes there was no links. Sometimes the links were broken or went to dead pages and it, it, it didn't really work very well. And when it's like linking to Hasbro and it links to Hasbro.com, that doesn't really do you any good anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I decided, okay, well I'm just going to, go with this and watch a bunch of panels so i watched uh, a handful of panels every day uh on the order of maybe like four or five a day for like friday and saturday uh, a couple on thursday a couple on sunday and i really enjoyed it because what it gave me was one of the experiences that i really miss out at at a con and one thing i've noticed about cons is there's a lot of different experiences that are there to be had, especially at a con like San Diego that is so big. Like if you just like Hollywood and movie stars and stuff like that, you can spend five days just enjoying that and finding content about that. If you just like gold and silver age comics, you can find fine day, five days of content about that and uh, co comics to buy about that. If you just like indie comics, there's five days worth of stuff to do there. If you just like cosplay, there's five days of stuff to do just focused around cosplay at Comic-Con. So I really kind of think of it as this, it's like a place where you can build your own convention and really do do what you want. But the comics panels, they always have that actually a really robust 
group of panels at San Diego Comic-Con. It's one thing that they actually still do really, really well is they have tons of actual comic book programming, like discussion of let's talk about comics. And this is one thing uh, a lot of people say. It's it's kind of, I think, cliche to say that, oh, Comic-Con's not about comics anymore. It's all just Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. But that's absolutely not true. Like, just 100% not true. It's just that all of that Hollywood stuff is there in addition to the comics. And it's flashier and bigger and brighter. But if you were to remove all that, it would still be just a gigantic comic-focused Comic-Con. Yeah. It's kind of like it keeps getting bigger because if they can make money off of it, they're going to add more of what makes money. And that's just sort of a growing segment of it rather than a replacing segment of it. Yeah, but I think one thing that's really great is that they seem to really focus on that they use some of that growing to add more content related to just the comics. Like, if if just looking at the, the typical panel programming schedule for a San Diego Comic-Con, often there are multiple purely comic-related panels all happening at the same time that you'd have to choose between if that's the type of content you're interested in. So it's it's almost like the Hollywood is the the hot balloons at the top pulling it all up, but they 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 let it pull up the comics portion of it as well. And I think that's one thing that I, I really like about the show is that unlike something like a, a Wizard World show where it seems like they are kind of replacing the comics content with Hollywood content, the, they're really allowing the Hollywood content to pull up the comic book content at Comic-Con. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd, so I obviously I've never been to the San Diego Comic-Con, but it's one of those things that if you're paying attention at all, like you get a lot of exposure kind of to what's going on just from other people tweeting about it from, I mean, Jesus, just the sales, even this year with it being closed, like I hit up some comicsology sales. Like we, uh, we talked about this a little bit offline um, grabbed uh, grabbed a few Dark Horse manga on sale. It's like they, they some of those sales they have like you know th- throughout the year anyways. Like Dark Horse comics, if there's something you want to get on Comicsology, give it a little bit. They'll have a half off sale. Like they do it very regularly. Yeah, you just have to wait like three days usually. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, like but when they do you know Comic Con, every everybody has a sale because everybody's you know it's going to draw a lot of attention just that stuff is going on and you know a larger group of people are going to be conscious of it so even just that it's like i know if if there's a big comic-con going on let alone comic-con itself there's going to be comicsology sales um i don't try to fight like um i know like all the different companies that had exclusives were doing like online sales like i wasn't even going to try to fight with any of that like i'm used to accepting that i'm not going to get any of the really cool stuff there was one year they had a really awesome Usagi Ojimbo figure, and I asked you to see if uh, if you could obtain it, but it was sold out before you even had a chance to like get close enough to the booth because it was so swamped. It's very interesting to like always be exposed to it, and then see this year it's like pretty much purely there's these panels, and like the focus is narrowed down to just the panels because like all the other stuff that you said that is the reason you go to a con. That's what I hear from everybody that I know that goes to con, you know, goes to cons regularly. You know, I've never been in that position where I like I don't have friends that go to cons. I like literally have a few friends in my state. A con I would go to, nobody's gonna go from out of state to that con, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but still, like I mean, New Hampshire is a little bit closer. Like when I went to New Hampshire, uh, which once again I said was years ago. Um, the reason I actually got in because I uh, I had JK's phone number, but I got there 
And I called it and I texted him and got no answer. So um, I ran into another friend who actually he had worked at Coast City Comics when I was going there, but now he had segued into doing a lot of work at cons and he was working on making his own comics. And now he's pretty much like fully on into making his own comics. Um, but so I ran into him and he's like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, JK invited me and I can't get a hold of him. So he went in, found JK and like got me my pass to get in basically. So it was kind of random, but still it was cool because like I met him. He was able to kind of introduce me to a few people because he knew everybody. But yeah, it was it was a cool experience. And it was um, like the most I've gotten of that aspect of like you go there kind of for the getting together aspect of it rather than the panel. So it's definitely interesting seeing it be like just, okay, here's panel content. This is what you have to engage with this year and see how it, it um, you know, how different people react to it. Like it was cool seeing you be like, I'm going to do a bunch of these, you know? Yeah, it was it was fun because it gave me a side of the Comic-Con that I usually miss out on, which is that all this programming, what it is really good at is reconnecting with some of the excitement about the hobby or uh, about something that is easily forgotten. For instance, there were three Jack Kirby panels over the weekend. One was like a Jack Kirby introduction. There was another one that was about the relationship between um, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and like their working relationship and their personal relationship that went into the creation of Marvel comics. And then there was a Jack Kirby tribute, which was kind of like, here's all the reasons that Jack Kirby is the greatest (laughs) type of thing. Nice. (laughs) Usually I just kind of blow that stuff off because it's like, eh, you know, I don't want to sit around for an hour and talk, hear people talk about something that is in the past. But I actually did sit down and listen to this this time, and it made me super excited about Jack Kirby. And I pulled out my Fourth World Omnibus, and I started flipping through it, and it made me think like, oh, man, I have to read this stuff. Like, I have to sit down and actually read all of Fourth World all the way through because I really am excited now about seeing Jack Kirby's imagination take place on page and watching all those panels gave me a little uh, glimpse into how to engage with that really important piece of comics history. And similarly, I watched a panel on Will Eisner's The Spirit and how it really broke a lot of new ground visually in comics. And it made me really interested in checking out a lot of Will Eisner's stuff, who's another like great, great figure in comic book history. You know, it's funny because I think part of the reason, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but like it seems like a reason that panels would be less of a draw for people who, especially people who go to, you know, cons repeatedly, is information is so readily available nowadays. Like you can get on your phone and Google and find something out. You know, you can find YouTube videos and stuff like that. But there's a big difference between like, you know, casting out your fishing line, catching whatever and calling it good in the pool of the Internet. And going to something that has been curated to to teach you and teach you kind of the breadth. Like one of the things that drives me crazy. Have you ever asked your friends about a book they read or a movie they watched or something, and they just tell you to Google it to find out about it? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not at all the same as is having somebody tell you their opinion. Like not at all the same. Yes, you could find out like a basic synopsis, which sometimes can be more helpful because sometimes you tell somebody what something's about and they're like, "What?" But like if I'm asking you about a book hey you you keep on talking about this book tell me about it i want to see like what makes it matter to you you know like uh, get that feedback 
that's kind of the difference between going to a, a panel versus um, just like, oh, I don't need to go to this um, uh, Jack Kirby panel. I could just Google Jack Kirby. I could read his Wikipedia page. You know, I could, like, yes, you're going to get some basic information, but there's going to be, like, broad motions that you miss if you're just getting, like, bits of information and putting it together yourself. It's like stretching versus doing yoga. Like, stretching, you get some, like, direct linear stretches, but yoga, you're getting, like, the full movement, so it's actually, like, much better for your body, you know? Hmm. I like that analogy. That's a really good good way to put it, yeah. Now I just kind of want to do yoga because I'm stiff. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I I ended up going watching like 20 of these panels on all sorts of different topics. Like I watched a Rob Leefield panel uh, talking about his new Snake Eyes comic just because Rob Leefield is like a bottle of enthusiasm that's broken open. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that was a lot of fun. I, I watched one on um, Star Wars book publishing because that's the main thing other than the movies in Star Wars that I like is the books. And um, I saw a couple interesting like process panels. There was one, it was called Gender, Race, and Coloring Comic Books, which sounds like it's going to be like about uh, social justice in comics books coloring or something like that from the title but it wasn't at all it was like about here's why sometimes african-american skin tones looked really weird in comics from the 50s and 60s and they like talked about the technical process that actually like the colors they needed weren't available due to the printing technology that they used and how kind of simplified it was. So they had to use some strange approximations sometimes. And it got into all this interesting things about how printing on newsprint made comics look different than printing on like nice white paper. It was this very process-oriented thing. And a look back at how the technology used in coloring affected how comic books look, which was like right up my alley. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because you see the titles of the different panels and you just, it's so easy to just kind of jump to what they would be. It makes me think of uh, when I was going to community college, like, you know, just starting out out of high school and um, instead of going away to university, I opted to stay at home because I had moved constantly through high school. I was just tired of moving, especially then like stuff was so much cheaper. So it's like you could take classes just because you felt like it, you know, and like you, of course, they were like fulfilling elective requirements or whatever. But so you would take, you know, classes you thought you'd like, and then you would take some that you just had to fill stuff out with. And a lot of times the ones that you weren't even thinking about ended up being the ones that you loved, and the ones that you thought would be the most interesting weren't. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's it's like that with something like a panel, where it's like the one you stumble into because you just want to go sit down might be a lot more interesting to you than, you know, if you love Jack Kirby and you go to a Jack Kirby panel, it's probably more what you already know. So it's going to be less exciting compared to, like you said, the the race and gender in coloring like you're not going to know that stuff at all yeah. and it's mm-hmm. going to be like you know super entertaining yeah so i thought it was really fun and it, the the last thing i'll, I'll point out is that so at san diego comic-con it, you've probably heard of hall h it's like the infamous hall h at comic-con sounds familiar okay it's the convention center is divided into sections a through h and at comic-con they 
completely partition off the section H and they make it a giant auditorium with like 6,000 seats in it. And this is where all the big Hollywood mega panels take place. And it's where people camp out overnight in line to wait to get in in the morning and where like all the Avenger actors will show up and talk about how great the new Avengers movie is going to be and stuff like that. And like, oh man, I saw Kevin Smith and Robert Downey Jr. and blah, 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 like that sort of thing. And I have no time for that, right? It's like, what? Wait in line for more than five minutes? No, not going to do it, right? Especially not if it requires overnight. Not going to do it. And uh, about like something from Hollywood, I'm just not as interested. Let me go dig through some long boxes instead. That's how I'd rather spend my time. Yeah. But I was able to, because it's all just online panels, I was able to watch the New Mutants panel. And I was able to watch the Bill and Ted's, um, the new Bill and Ted movie panel, which I am thrilled for. And it was awesome. They had all the actors, they had the writers and the director come and just like talk about the new Bill and Ted movie, which is coming out in like a month or two. And I loved it because it, it was awesome and it didn't require uh, hours and hours of waiting to watch. I was able to just click on it and watch it. So uh, that was uh, a really neat thing is that things that I otherwise would be unavailable to me because I'm just unwilling to put in the time were totally available. Whoa, you Neither. got you got something going on out there. Yeah. yeah I figure you commuted, uh, mute my side while doing the part you were talking. My neighbors, apparently their dog got out, so they're trying to get the dog on a four-wheeler and a bicycle. Oh, no, this is great content, man. <laughs> is, it sounds like, is it over now? Or is it still they... going on? Hold on a second. They got the dog and they've gone now. <laughs> wow, that sounded interesting still hear him yelling fuck at the dog (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) usually the outdoor sounds we get are so pleasant it's like birds chirping and stuff like that and the occasional gentle car going by on the road it's like spending a nice relaxing uh hour outside in maine (laughs) but i guess not this morning and uh, occasionally you get the douchebag neighbors apparently uh, catching their dog in front of your house. All right, cool. Oh man! All right, so I, I guess <laughs> <laughs> back to back to the um, the panels, and this was kind of wrap up what I have to say about this is um, it allowed me to experience something that I don't usually experience, but that helped me reengage with the hobby again in a different way than I'm used to and in a way that I think is pretty darn effective as well it's I think it's it's hard to go to a panel about something you're kind of interested in or marginally interested in and not come out a little more excited about it and that's my experience is that I always just come out of a panel more excited about the thing than I was going into it and so that was really good it was a way to kind of like recharge my appreciation for the comic books hobby and so that was the kind of the main thing that i got out of this comic-con at home experience and so in a way it it accomplished what 
normal Comic-Con does, but just you know, uh, a little differently. That's awesome. Sorry, I'm still mentally re-engaging after that. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I think like one of the things that like strikes me about this, too, is uh, nowadays everything is it's so easy to, to attain content that it's really easy to go, this is the content that I like the best and ignore everything else. And it's a little bit different going to a con because there's a lot of things to do and it's not like you don't have regular access to all the things you can do. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but people like kind of do the same thing and focus in on what's most important to, to them. And like, I, I mean, you're what you're talking about. You normally do. There's more breadth to it. You know, it's like you want to dig in some bins. You want to see some friends, but like for you, it's more social, but you're doing a lot of different things. But you get the people, like you said, hall H Sounds like you're probably spending a whole day just to be able to go see something at Hall H. Yeah, they are, for sure. That's, I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, it's a big time investment if you look at the chunk of time that you get at Comic-Con. I'm sure a lot of people only go for, like, the specific day they want to do that for, and it's not cheap going to Comic-Con, is it? No, it isn't. Well, it yeah. is when it's at home, but not, yeah. not usually, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're actually paying to go, you're paying a lot of money, so you're spending a lot of money to, like, sit there and wait and... There's nothing wrong with that either. Like, if what you want to do is see, you know, all the actors of Avengers with your own eyeballs in person, awesome. You know, I mean, I'm sure that there are uh, are people that I would have that for, that I would be willing to spend a whole day of my life just to be able to sit and watch them do a panel live in person, you know? But just, like, as a whole, like, kind of mental space, like, people are able to focus so much in just on the narrow scope of what they want that you just stop branching out. That's sort of what I, what I, so I had kind of hit this wall where I just didn't feel like reading comics. Like I, I wasn't feeling like reading superhero comics. I wasn't feeling like, I don't know, like I kept on trying to read other different stuff, but it just like nothing was interesting me. And it's not that like, um, you know, we've talked about this. It wasn't like the ebb and flow of, I really wanted to play video games more. or I really wanted to watch movies more. Mm-hmm. I just like, it just felt like. You know, it wasn't that. It was. It was uh, just like nothing. Like nothing was was interesting to me at the moment. I, I've talked about this the last couple of episodes that we've done, but I I read a book that got me kind of thinking about manga. I've been dabbling in that. So my week long uh, homemade Comic Con has been uh, reading and getting a bunch of manga and talking to people about it and figuring out what to try. So I made my own uh, Comic Con of of hunting for discounted manga. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> So I just last night actually finished reading. I talked about this last time, uh, a title called King Yo's Used Books. And um, I ha- didn't have the best way to describe it when we talked last time because I think I had just started reading it. And it's centered around a used manga bookstore. And one of the things that's really interesting about it is it's actually exposing you to a lot of different manga titles just by reading it. Because they are talking about real specific titles. They show you like the real books in it. At the back of the the trades, they actually, like every book they talked about, they have a page t- telling you about that book, how many volumes is in it, stuff like that, you know? So, like, there's an aspect of it that feels like it's um, uh, sort of like an educational catalog of of manga. Like, you've probably read, um, like, I know, like, Marvel's done this where they'll have a, a comic that's basically just, like, an, a big advertisement for all of their upcoming series, and it's, like, you know, it has a story that's, like, showing you, like, what's co- gonna happen, but they link it all together, and you read it, and you're like, I just paid five bucks to basically be told what to buy next. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, 
so I mean, it's a touch of that where it's exposing you to all this different stuff, but it really purely is from the the love of the material and the characters in the book. Like it's all kind of about that. Like um, for the most part, almost all the characters have a huge love for manga, but it's also showing like the different uh, ways they connect to it, the different you know emotional reasons they might have a connection. The, dif- the difference between somebody who's like uh, totally obsessive and that's that's their main um, you know focus in life is manga compared to somebody who stumbles across one they read as a kid and how much it meant to them and then on top of that like as a, you know that's kind of a vehicle for everything but it's also like kind of normal life stories you know like slice of life of what's going on with different people you know there's there's love stories somebody trying to get a girl to fall you know to you know fall in love with them. One of my favorite ones that I read that was in uh, the third volume, which I, I finished that up yesterday morning, and I read the whole fourth volume yesterday, is one where, and this goes back to an earlier story. So in the earlier story, there's a, like a manga lending library. So it's like, think of going to like your neighborhood video store. You, you pay money, you rent the video, you return it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like that. You pay money, you rent a book, you read it, you return it. And the person who owns it uh, is getting really old. Uh, the store is getting kind of dilapidated. And these two characters go there. They're called, uh, if I remember correctly, and I might screw something up, uh, Sidoris. So they're people who basically, they, they hunt valuable manga for cheap and then resell it to other stores for more money. And that that's that's their living. So the, these two people go there. They're checking the store out. They kind of see what's going on. They try to help the lady. She says she's going to be retiring um, they actually help her find somebody to take over running the store. So that that's this you know a story that was earlier in the the you know line of these stories, and then the story that was in the third volume that I was referencing is the guy that they found to take over. He was a guy with like a corporate job, you know, so he has like a career job, and he quits his job to go and manage this lending library, or, you know, or to take over or whatever, and. He starts, he stumbles upon this ledger that the lady had kept of all the people that had books that weren't returned. So, like, you know, she didn't have any kind of complicated system. She'd, like, literally, like, somebody checked out this book and then would mark it off as returned or not kind of a deal. So, he he goes, like, oh, there's all these books. So, he starts going to seek the return of these books because he feels just kind of compelled to. Like, for him, it's like, you know, he could cut his losses, but it's more about the principle of the thing. Like, these books are are out in the wild, they should be returned so other people can enjoy them. So he starts going out and kind of what you would expect, like a lot of people are, you know, like, oh, I don't know, maybe I, you know, some people like forgot to return it. Some people didn't care, you know, some people, you know, have the reaction of like, here you go, you jerk. Why is that so important when they were the ones that basically stole a book? Kind of all the, the ways you expect people to, to react to something in the real world. Like the majority of people are, going to be jerks about it because uh, they either thought they got away with stealing something or they uh, are embarrassed, you know, and a lot of people, when they're embarrassed because they did something wrong, their reaction is to be mean, not to own up to what they did, you know? So he goes through all this and you can kind of see like him kind of grown his, uh, you know, his backbone with it where it's not bothering him as much uh, people's reactions, but he gets down to this last one and they don't tell you why, but it's really important to him to find this one. And so he goes and seeks out the person. It turns out this person uh, is like a nomad, pretty much. Like he travels all around the world. Like he doesn't stay settled anywhere. So he discovers that this person's out of the country. He goes home and his wife is like, 
go do it, you know? So he's spending the money, which I think is kind of funny that, like, he's got to be really well off if he could afford to travel like he did just to get a freaking book. Because obviously the story is about his, uh, you know, the, like, the, the compulsion to return this book and, like, kind of like the, the emotions and sentiment behind it and stuff like that. So they don't get caught up in practicalities, like how much money it would cost to actually travel all over the world to try to hunt down a book. But his wife's like, go do it. One of the parts I loved is he's like, I didn't even take you out of the country for our honeymoon. And she goes, if I wanted to go out of the country, I would go out of the country. And I'd send you a letter and tell you how it was. I don't need you to make stuff happen for me. Go do this for yourself. It was awesome. Yeah. So I really loved that part. But so he he goes all over. Like, he goes to another country, you know, where his lead says this guy moved. They say, no, he left. He moved to this other place. He goes there. So he travels all over the world. Finally finds the guy. The guy returns the book like you know he's very good natured about it and you know the 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 guy who's running the lending library that hunts him down says like oh i understand you know like you know stuff happens you left quickly he's like no i knew i took it on purpose and the guy's like kind of shocked you know he's like he was um he was uh basically in love with the woman who was running the lending library and you know she was married at the time but like he had you know this this love for her and then her you know her husband died and yada yada whatever so like he checked it out and then he intentionally took it as like a remembrance of her. So he mm, returned it. And it turns out the, the importance of this book for this kid that took over the store was it was one that had, um, had ended up in his possession, uh, as a kid. And it was all about traveling too. And it was like when he was young, uh, not like a kid, kid, but like, you know, a, a young adult kind of teenager ish, like, you know, you get out of high school or get done with school or whatever. And you go traveling around before you settle into real life. Yeah, so like it, it, he like this was the specific book that he had exchanged with a traveler at that time, and he went and returned it um, after he got back to Japan. So it just and the way they interlace things was really cool. He ended up um, exchanging it with another traveler for a book that he had swapped for on his journeys out or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but um, really, really loved that story. I loved like the the perseverance of like. I need to do this because one, it's the right thing to do. And two, kind of the completionism of it. Like I've gotten all the other books. This is the last one, you know, but then like it, not just being about that, but all the, like the deeper emotional reasons that people do the things that they do is really cool. So anyways, I finished reading that series. That does sound interesting to me in, in that it's just so, again, I, I think we keep talking about this, but out of the ordinary. Yeah. For a it's like, book. it's, it's super ordinary stories in a way, but it's really well done. And, you know, they have the manga stores like the common thread, but it's not like it's just a story about a manga store. It's a story about the people. And uh, when I read the first volume, uh, you know, Ed-, Ed Moore had lent me a bunch of books. And um, the first books I read that he lent me were Wandering Island, which I talked about. I loved those. So I started reading Kingo, and he asked me what I thought. I said I, I liked it, um, but obviously he could tell like there was a different level of enthusiasm. Whereas with Wandering Island, I was like, "Oh my god, I love this book!" And with Kingo, I was like, yeah, "I liked it." And he said, "Yeah, you know, it's 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 good. It's you know, slice of life, you know." So like obviously, like he he wants he he knows like how much he loves it. And he wants to to see me get there, you know. But mm-hmm. as I read more, like when I read the first volume, I was like, "This was good," you know. I mean. It was good stories. It was an enjoyable read, but it wasn't as compelling. But as you go on and get to know the characters more, you definitely get really compelled and seeing what happens to them. And, you know, 
like pretty much all the stories ended on a positive note. I don't think anything ended super negative or, you know, the, it, it was definitely the minority that, that may have ended more on a negative note than a positive note. But yeah, it was just like, it was really enjoyable to read. I honestly, like I got to the end of it. Normally you get to the end of, of, a you know, a big reading project and you're kind of like, Oh, I'm, I enjoyed that, but I'm glad it's done. I, I, I was definitely disappointed. That was the last one that I had to read. Okay. Well, that's a pretty high praise. Yeah, it's good. And it's not the easiest thing to find, but you can, like, if you really wanted to read it, I was, you know, looking around. You can get the whole, like, four volume set on eBay for, like, 50 bucks. So it's basically, like, cover price, because I think they're 13 bucks each. So it's like, you're not going to get them for, for super cheap, and you're not going to, like, walk down to the bookstore and find them. But if you want to get them, you can pull the trigger and get them, and, it, you know, not at an exorbitant price. Like, we talked about the, uh, the ramen noodle one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So you won't be paying, like, 60 bucks for, you know, a $15 book, but. But yeah, so like that that was awesome. Like I read those. Like I, I appreciate Ed uh, lending me the books. I have a few more to read that he lent me, but I actually ended up purchasing them because I w- I found them on on clearance. Um, so I got like the first two volumes for eight bucks each. Then actually I grabbed the third one because I found it at uh, at Bull Moose, which I've mentioned before. For and it was like ten bucks. So I was like, eh, I'm just gonna get them because like the cover art enough. The cover art plus the praise told me okay, I'm gonna like these books. But so this crazy thing happened. Crazy thing. Yeah, so and are we shifting gears here? In yeah, terms this of this, kinda, crazy it, thing? this this ties in because this is how I got some of the the, the books that I have compiled now. Okay, so this last Friday, uh, my for for lack of a full description, my wife's grandmother was having a yard sale. She does like a once a year yard sale to get rid of stuff, and she she's on a busy road. It's a good place to do it. She always has a ton of stuff to put in like she she puts up a good yard sale it's not like some people where they throw the same crap out every year and it's just crap by this point you know so we had stuff we wanted to get rid of leading up to this like people are starting to have yard sales because it's like they've been you know uh self-isolating staying at home and every because everybody's staying at home they realize how much crap they have surrounding them and they want to get rid of it right uh, okay uh-huh so I'm driving around. We, I think as we were, we were out, we came home one day and like down the street a little bit, one of our neighbors had put out like boxes of stuff that were left over or just stuff they wanted to get rid of, you know? And there was a box of books. It's like, what the heck? I grabbed it and took it home. I didn't want any of the books. They were all like, um, you know, uh, trade paperback, you know, popular fiction type of books. Like definitely not my, my cup of tea. Um, but I grabbed them. I threw them in my garage. And then the next day, I was going over to my cousin's house, who lives, uh, like, the other side of town from me. And I see a couple more boxes shoved outside somebody's house with a free sign. So I grab them, throw them in my truck, take them home. And I'm like, oh, I'll just throw throw these all in the yard cell. So I I put them in the yard cell for, like, 50 cents a piece. I probably made, like, 10 bucks in the yard cell. But then when the yard cell was, like, maybe half over, I had boxes. I had three boxes of books left. And I threw them all in my truck. And I went up to uh, to Bull Moose. So mm-hmm. yard sale is still going on, but it's like they don't need me sitting there. And uh, um, going from their house rather than my house was like 20 minutes closer. So it made like a 20-minute drive up, 20 minutes back compared to um, like 40 minutes from my house. So I go up there, take the books in. And they've been doing – since um, you know Corona happened, since they reopened, they've, they've been doing this like quarantine thing where they'll take your stuff in boxes – but they would let it sit for a few days and then they would review it for trade or sell. So you like drop it off, come back a week later and find out what the Yeah, basically the they, they call you after a couple of days and tell you, you know. Okay. Um 
so I expected that, but I go in there and they're like, hey, we can just do it right now. So being up further north, they're further away from the, you know, the more condensed corona issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess they must have loosened up a little bit. So I'm not expecting much. I'm looking around. They finally come over and I got $45 in store credit oh, for yeah. literally boxes of crap I found on the side of the road. Nice. So it's like, awesome. And um, I didn't get anything then. I really wanted to get the game Ghost of Tsushima that just came out. I, I know it came out on PS4. I don't know if it came out on Xbox. Um, I don't think so. That all right. Sound See, familiar. more reasons why you should have a PS4. So you're you're terrible Xbox. Um, oh, wonderful, anyways, wonderful. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I have 45 bucks. Like, I didn't want to just like spend the extra money and get it. I also didn't want to spend all the store credit on me because I'm like, yeah, I might have found all these books, but. Like, I just had my birthday. I've got myself stuff. Like, I don't just deserve everything, you know? So, I'm like, I, I want my family to be able to, like, partake, too. So, I, I leave, but I'm thinking, I got other stuff I could trade in. You know, I started trying to sell some of my, um, you know, hardcovers and stuff like that uh, through, like, you know, tweeting them and offering them to people. And usually, I can sell some stuff that way because somebody will really want something. And if I sell something, I always sell it for, you know, really cheap. That wasn't really taking hold. Like, I sold a few books to one friend. Um, I put a book, like I had a couple things I put on eBay, but like a lot of the stuff I knew wasn't really going to like catch people's attention on eBay. Like I know how that goes. So like I, I go home, I'm like, I have 45 bucks in credit. I only need 15 more to get this game. So I, I collect up the rest of the books. I'm like, you know what? I haven't been reading this stuff. I'm going to just like push myself. And unless I'm like, I do not want to get rid of this. I'm just going to trade it in. So I get a big stack of books. I grab um, some games that I got really cheap that I dabbled in, and I was like, yeah, I'm not really going to, you know, go full bore into these. I grabbed, like, Red Dead 2 that I loved, but I finished playing it, and I know realistically I'm not going to go back and play it again because I don't really do that. Get a bunch of stuff together. The next morning, I I had to go to the dump before my son's birthday party to clear out all of our trash. So I, I go to the dump. I go back to Bull Moose. And this stuff that I was like, I should definitely get enough to get the game and have some left over to where my family can use it. Got $75 more. Excellent. All right. So I was like, oh, man. So I got the game for one. Uh, and then I grabbed one more manga that uh, I had mentioned because it, it I was curious if it was something that would be appropriate for my son because it looked really interesting. And several people said, oh, that's that's super funny. They weren't sure if it was appropriate for kids or not. But the fact that they enjoyed it told me like eh, i'll grab this i'll read it myself if it's good for my kid to to read i'll let him read it if not whatever like i i believe i will enjoy this what is it um it's called uh what's michael it's about cats okay that's about the extent of what i know it looks very <laughs> right. very quirky <laughs> cool. um more to come on that i'm sure okay so i got that one and there like we still had i think 47 dollars of store credit left after that so i'm like i'm gonna leave that for my family to use so then yesterday, it's after the birthday party, you know, we had sold some toys that he was kind of outgrowing in the yard sale, let him have the money to, I ended up ordering him a, a Minecraft Lego set that we can't find in stores that he really wants. So that's kind of, that's actually coming today. That's going to be what we're doing later. All right. Um, cool. But we, uh, we, we head down to, uh, we head down south. We, we take some of his other toys that didn't sell in the yard sale and some like bags of clothes and stuff to a consignment store to sell. Um, and then we go down to a different bull moose down there. Cause we had a few more things to trade in that I forgot to bring with me the other day. So we, we take that stuff and because we're down South now, they, they are doing the box thing. So we throw it in a box, we leave it with them. So I, I still don't know what we got for that yet, but that, like, that'll be there in the future. And we look around, my wife finds a couple of books. 
Um, there was one, like I was like, I, I keep on telling myself I'm done buying books right now. Like I have enough to read, but there are certain things that I like, I want to be able to try that I hadn't gotten. And one, and I kept on hearing his name all over the place is Junji Ito. Recently, the thing I've been seeing is people sharing that, uh, Hideo Kojima wants to work with him on a video game. You know, like I think everybody who knows video games well knows Kojima, like the, the, uh, Metal Gear Solid Metal guy, Gear, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So that's big news for anybody who knows either of them, let alone both of them. So I'm like, okay. Is this guy a manga creator? Yeah. And he creates, uh, so like, I don't know him well, but he was recommended to me just in general, like anything he does is good. They're horror books, but I've glanced at them some and they're not the kind of horror I don't like where it's just like a gore fest. Do not like that. Like they look like legitimate, like spooky, creepy horror books, you know? So the, my last thing after all the other stuff I got was I really wanted to get one of his books to read. And so I, I tweeted out, what should I get? And um, got one reply right off the bat. Um, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, except it starts with a U. So I go like, okay, I'm going to go look for that. Obviously, this store I'm talking about sells used stuff, and used stuff is going to be a good price. So this this book that I wanted, like the cover price is 25 bucks, I think. No, I think the cover price was like 30 35 I know that they they sold it used for twenty five bucks though, so I go there expecting to spend that much if I find it. Well, I knew I was going to find it, but like you know, okay, I'll probably get it. They had one used copy of it, and that was the only used copy they had of any of his books. Um, so I got it; was able to get it for twelve bucks. Oh, perfect! So that made me happy. I got I got my like last book in the stack that I want to have to read through. Like you know, I got Berserk. I haven't read that yet. I'm you know working through reading Death Note, which will take a long time because it's like the whole collection. I got Drifting Dragons. I got um, Drifting Classroom. Uh, I got What's Michael, which is, you know, taking a chance on a quirky, funny one. But, like, I'm just, like, so that's been, you know, I guess that's kind of been, like, my, I don't go to Comic-Cons, but I focus my attention on learning new things about something that was new to me, which is kind of like going to the panels. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. I, you, you kind of, like, sourced out your own panels. Yeah. what it sounds like talking to different people finding different things and it's like i didn't go online and watch any videos or anything um which i'm not against especially at this point where it's like i have enough base knowledge to kind of know what i might be interested in um or even how to find something um but just t- talking to people and like i said it's not the same as, as like googling around like i could look up a book and see what it's about and go like oh that'd be interesting like i got burnt by that once so in in all of my uh like my bin diving at my self-made you know convention of like hunting down deals on manga there was one that looked interesting called diger welder that was done by the guy who did uh blade of the immortal so i'm like okay i've read some blade of the immortal and like that this like just the cover looks interesting the little synopsis on the back sounds fine it's you know mature explicit content advisory on it but like i mean blade of the immortal would have been that too you know uh with the violence in it Mm-hmm. Um, and these books that are like normally $20 each, like big fat, you know, trade paperbacks are on clearance for 14 bucks. So I, I grabbed like two volumes. I'm like, okay, cool. That, that sounds reasonable. Like as long as I enjoy it at all, worth it. Right. So then sounds I, good. you know, I bust them open. I start reading them. Nope. Not my <laughs> cup of tea. <laughs> okay. Got way too graphic, way too weird. And they're uh, going to be in a box on the way to a friend soon that is, uh, you know, like less bothered by that stuff. I have certain lines that like I just I don't like stories that deal with certain things. And like this one definitely was in that realm. 
So that that's one where it's like I could look it up, and unless you actually talk to somebody, like if I if if somebody had read that book and knew about it, they would have been like, "Hey, heads up, know about this aspect of it," and I would not have gotten it. And okay. that's where you know, like the 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 like talking to somebody goes so much further than just looking stuff up. But yeah, so like you know, I, I kind of built a knowledge base. Uh, you know, talked to different people, kind of learned some about stuff. Started finding out what I liked. I was able to to look at stuff. Like I, I've been on vacation. We've been going different places. So like I hit up different stores where I know I could find deals on stuff. Found some good deals. Got a lot of different stuff to read. But that's kind of like uh, that's kind of like what's in. I mean, you know, you talk about what you enjoy about going to a con. It's less about the panels. That's what's awesome to me about going to a con too. It may be have been a long time, but it's talking to a few people, getting to know them a little bit, seeing what they do. Like I like to get a couple of commissions um, rather than spend a bunch of money on, you know, comics that I can find elsewhere or um, like original art's never been my thing because it's just it's it's so pricey, crazy expensive now. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. like definitely worth it if you can afford that. It's awesome stuff, but. Like getting a couple commissions, you know, when I went to New Hampshire, I got one from J.K. Woodward and I got one from C.P. Wilson, who has done, uh, he did Wraith with Joe Hill. Um, he's done some Ninja Turtle issues, which is what I knew him from. And I got him to do a Bebop and Rocksteady commission that I absolutely love. Yeah. So, I mean, like, those are the kind of things it's like, you know, I like settling into stuff. And I, I feel like that's kind of what I did with manga over the last couple of weeks. I got interested but instead of like just going too too far off the deep end in one direction, and maybe like I didn't choose the right thing, and then like I didn't like it and didn't stick around, like being able to like kind of spread out and build that knowledge a little bit was very enjoyable. That's cool. Speaking of manga, I read the first volume of Berserk a day or two ago because Dark Horse is having a sale, like you mentioned. It's I threw a stone and there was a hoop. There was a Dark Horse sale at the, where, yep. where it landed, <laughs> and so I uh, I picked up that first volume of uh, Berserk and uh, read through it pretty darn quickly. But I feel kind of mixed about it because it's an incredibly violent story. I think, as as you mentioned, you flipped it open to the first page, and it's like instantly in your face, okay, this is what this is. It's very, very uh, brutal. And it just continues from there. Just bloody and violent and kind of over the top in terms of its violence. But what I really appreciate about it is how it tells its story. And in a way, I, I did find it very compelling. And when I finished it, it made me want to read more. And One of the reasons uh, I was able to read it so fast is I kind of breezed through it and didn't really appreciate the artwork. But what is really cool about it is it's so much a story told visually. There's very little dialogue. There's not a lot of dialogue to explain what's going on. It just shows what is happening. So you could almost remove all the dialogue and you wouldn't miss much of the story at all. It would be nearly the same thing. You'd miss out on some of the like personality quirks of a couple of the characters, but the primary character, his personality seems to be he doesn't talk a lot. He just has a giant sword, and that's the way he talks his with his sword. And it was really neat to read a comic that's told in that way, where I really had to shift to this much more visual way of of reading something to understand the story and i like that about it so i may 
keep my eye out for for more of that. The good news is, is Dark Horse has a 50% off sale, like, once a month almost, it seems. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they do pretty often. The best the best Dark Horse sales, like, watch when, rather than having just a line-wide sale, when they have a 50% off code, and then look at, at if they have anything already on sale. You can mm-hmm. get books for almost nothing that way. Okay. Um, like, they, this was after I had gotten it all, of course, but... Um, I had all the, like, the big fat paperbacks of Usagi Yojimbo, and, like, those are let alone a great deal. Like, they're $25, I think, like, cover price for these, uh, omnibuses that are, like, three trades, basically. On Comixology, you'll find them on sale for, like, seven bucks. So that's how I had, I replaced my physical collection with the digital collection so I could read it easier. But you know what's even better than that is uh, when they're on sale and then there's a 50% off code and you can get them all for three and a half bucks. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah like I had gotten all of Astro Boy, which uh, Joe had recommended on a podcast he did a while back. So that was kind of in my head. And then I saw it. They had um, they were having like a kids manga sale or a kids comic sale, one or the other. So it fell into that category, but then they had a 50% off code, and I got the entire run of it for like $11. Nice. All right. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds useful because even though one volume of Berserk isn't that pricey, it was like six or seven bucks. When you consider that there's 40 volumes of that, that quickly (laughs) adds up to like $250 to get the entire uh, run of it, which is more than I think I want to spend on that particular story. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you like, you know, get one each sale and then read it, you know, rather than get a, get a whole bunch and have it like stockpiled, you know, they're going to have more sales. So, you know, why do that to yourself? Yeah. If, yeah. I might if, do that. Yeah. If it was like a once in a lifetime deal, that's, um, that's kind of what I did with, I still haven't finished reading all of it yet, but Lone Wolf and Cub, I had read a physical paperback omnibus wanted more, realized that that was going to be kind of difficult and expensive to, like, work through getting the whole thing, found it on Comixology. Uh, with Comixology Unlimited, I was able to read through the first nine volumes just for paying for, like, one month subscription of, of Unlimited. Um, and then uh, I would wait for sales, and I would buy a few volumes and read them and buy a few volumes. So I, I've bought all the volumes, and I still have quite a bit to read, but I know with Lone Wolf and Cub that, like, I'm going to be happy reading it all. It's not like I'm going to look back and be like, I spent all this money and I don't really care enough to finish it or it wasn't worth it. Um, But I also, I got the volumes for like, I think four bucks each. Uh So, you know, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Little by little is definitely good. Especially with, I mean, there's so many manga like that, like death note. The only reason I have all of death note is I bought the, the giant paperback all in one collection that um, I think the cover price on it is like 50 or 60 bucks. Um, But I got it for like, less than 20 at a store that like sells uh you know stuff that they what do you call it overstock or something <laughs> like Extra yeah they they'll, like damage goods damn yeah they, exactly that kind of store that sells like you know stuff that they've purchased from another company they're like a store's closing they buy out the inventory something was was damaged in a disaster they buy the inventory you know so they had bought a, an inventory of of books uh, from a closing uh, like chain bookstore okay, that like so once they close the store they just want to get rid of everything. They're like the Ross Dress for Less of books. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you call those stores, that's what. It, and it's not a bookstore. Like it's a, a general everything store. Um, but they had books because they had bought out um, from a closing. Uh, I don't know, like Second and Charles or like one of those stores that was part of a chain where the chain isn't gone. 
but they were closing uh, closing out locations. They they had bought out another company and were closing uh, whatever you know. So mm-hmm. that's how the books ended up being available, and I got it for cheap, and that's why I got it. Got it. Cool. You know, the other thing I found I've been doing is interrupting my reading a lot. In that, I've talked about how I'm in the middle of reading Age of Apocalypse, and yeah, I've been continuing on with that. But then I decided, you know, I want to read that Omega Men series by Tom King. <laughs> Just kind yeah. of randomly, I was like, yeah, I want to read this. So I started reading that. And then I started reading Berserk while I was in the middle of reading Omega Men. So it's like I'm in the middle of something, which I and then moved to something else. And then in the middle of that, I moved to something else. Uh, which is kind of why I wanted to get through that Berserk volume so quickly. Is like I just wanted to finish something, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I was like now thirty levels removed of interrupting, <laughs> reading something to switch to something else, and then luckily I finished Omega Men, and now I'm back to Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, it's good to do that. It kind of gives you the um, like it freshens your mind. It. it- gives your mind a different thing to focus on so then it kind of refreshes the, the main thing you're focusing because age of apocalypse is meaty there's a lot to do there oh so yeah mm-hmm. switching off to different stuff and getting a, a change of pace like keeps you fresher but yeah like i i probably have um at least four books going right now some nonfiction, some fiction and some comics um, and I've, I've kind of bounced around a little bit and like of course like i've been working on an x-men read through but i've been stalled up on that for a long time i read I think like two issues the last time I was on vacation. I haven't even read any on this vacation. But yeah, it's like, you know, you do that some. The one thing I try not to do that on is uh, video games. Because you stall for too long on a video game. It's so hard to get back to yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did that with uh, with The Last of Us. I played through a bunch of it, stalled up, and I just like, I'm going to have to restart it at this point because it's been so long. And it's like, you got to, like when you're in the middle of the game, if you've completely for, like gotten out of the habit of the gameplay mechanics, it gets pretty difficult. And I almost did that with, um, I had gotten Resident Evil 2, uh, the, the, like the remake that they did. And I'd never played a Resident Evil game, but it, it was on sale. I was interested in it. Uh, you know, finally trying a Resident Evil game. So I gave it a shot. And I was most the way through. I had like two sections of the game left because I was totally cheating and using a guide the whole time because I, I wanted to enjoy the story, play through it quickly. I didn't want to like wander around and take forever. Uh huh. So I was just using a guide to help me through it enjoyed the heck out of it but then i kind of stalled up for a while and then tried out a new game kind of moved away from it like kept not going back to it and then as i said i traded stuff in and i got ghosts of of tsushima i I know i'm going to want to focus on that game and when i get going on it i'm not like i'm not going to go back to a game i was in the middle of so before i started it i said i got to finish up this resident evil game so it was just my first playthrough like i don't know how much you know about resident evil 2 but uh there's two characters so you can play through as each character and it's going to be a different playthrough experience and oh, that's cool I, I didn't know that i don't know if this is true for the like the original release of it but um you play through as one and then you play through as the other one in conjunction with your first playthrough so it's going to be a little bit different than like a raw playthrough with the other one there's like an a playthrough and a b playthrough for each one so i played through like the a playthrough with claire so when I play through the B playthrough with Leon, it's going to be slightly different because what I did with Claire already is going to affect what's available for Leon. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I believe that's a little bit different than how it was originally released. I think that like the original release, like there were two parts of a story, but they didn't interact that way. But I might be wrong. Okay. Um, but yeah. So like you get to the end of the first playthrough 
and the resolution of the story, it's a little bit abrupt. And there's like there's some resolution, but you can tell like things aren't quite resolved. And then like um, you get through the end of the credits, and there's a tease that something wasn't resolved. So now I, I cheated and I looked to kind of know what the heck was going on because like I felt like I missed something. And mostly I I, che- I cheated to see if I needed to stay through the end of the credits because this is right before my son's birthday party, and I was trying to finish the damn game so I could finish getting ready for the party. So I looked to see if there was a reason for me to watch the credits, and there was. It was just like a little tiny snippet, but I didn't want to miss it. But yeah, so now when I play through with Leon, there's going to be that last little bit of the story that um, putting the two pieces together, it'll just be like, I guess, a little bit more rewarding. And it was an enjoyable game to play, so like, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing through it again, but I'm glad I didn't stop in the middle because I don't know if I ever would have gone back and finished it if I did. Yeah, that sounds really great. Man, that's a that's a really really cool thing. I that's happened to me with a ton of games where I I drop it in the middle of it and then I just never get back to it. I think that happened with uh, I remember Red Dead Redemption. Uh huh. That's one where I was playing it and playing it and then I just kind of took a break and then years later I finally was like you know what I should I should play through that game and I had to start it all over from the beginning like you <laughs> said just because <laughs> I. There's no way to pick up that sort of thing, I think, like in the middle like that. You've got to just start over again. I think right now I have abandoned the, I think we talked about those Middle Earth games. Uh-huh. This, the second one, I abandoned that about halfway through. I don't know if I'm ever going to pick that one up again because I, I didn't enjoy the second one as much as the first one. So I may just let that one be, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I had picked up uh, GameStop. I, I think I might have mentioned this uh, a couple few weeks ago, but GameStop was having a, a sale where you could get five games priced nine ninety nine or under for twenty five bucks, and then I I got a couple other games that were pretty cheap uh, to be able to get free shipping. And I actually got the first Middle Earth game, even though I had played it all because it was like I needed one more game, and uh, you know to get the cheap deal. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'd rather replay this one than play the second one because this one was enjoyable to play, and the second one just got a little bit too convoluted by adding extra things to it. Like, what they added was super interesting, but it just it it um, added too much. Like, it just uh, it made it... It wasn't you know, as streamlined, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Streamlined is, is super good. Like, it's good to have uh, a lot of value in what you can do. It's good to have the chance to explore and stuff. But having um, streamlined where everything else is peripheral is so much better than having to have the the core of everything be super complicated i think it's when especially us being older having more life responsibilities where video game time is much more of a luxury than it was like in my early 20s when i didn't have as many responsibilities i think that helps me now given where i am in life yeah definitely helps keep focused keep moving that's what i've been telling people on red dead too also is like if you want to play it like if you're worried about it being too big or you can't really get into it, don't get caught up in everything else. Like, just focus on the story. Mm-hmm. You'll find your groove if you're doing that. But if you just focus on the story, you're also going to, like, keep moving. And you won't fall into the trap of, like, oh, well, I need to hunt one of all of these different animals so that way I can check <laughs> yeah, them off exactly. my list, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely did not hunt everything in that game. And uh, by the time I got to the end of the story, I did not care about going back and finding all the last things I could hunt. I did some of it throughout the game when I felt compelled to, but it was only when I felt like it. Yeah, I think I ended up with like one and a half of the dozen outfits you can get. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. So that definitely did help. 
All right, I, and maybe this is the the place to call this one. It's been a it's been about an hour, and I think that's uh, that's good. I got to start getting ready for work now, and I got to go inside and uh, get all unsweaty. All right, <laughs> that sounds good for you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, anything you want to plug before we sign off? I don't even think we've gotten into our sign-off routine yet in terms no. of, of how no, we we're, do this. No, we're finally, we're coming down to the nitty-gritty on settling on our, our name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, like, I feel like we're almost, uh, you know, making this a real show. But, yeah, so, I, I I mean, I guess probably by the next episode we'll probably have all those details ready to go. And, I mean, honestly, by the time people are listening to this, it's going to have the name on it anyways. Oh, yeah. So you're uh, you, right now you were you were listening to the behind the scenes like a month ahead of when you're actually going to hear this probably That's of us right. figuring out our, our podcast name and coming up with the final details. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And I guess we will talk to you next time. Yeah. <laughs>